0: baseball season is heating up
1: odyssey has you covered with the most entertaining coverage of your team
0: stay locked in and in the know with the local
1: voices you trust as they bring you unfiltered takes recap games react to the latest team news and talk to callers listen to your favorite shows for free on the odyssey app odyssey.com your smart speaker or in the car with android auto or apple carplay You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: We are okay with you calling up and acting like a complete clown. <laughs> LAPD
0: was called. <laughs> got the first video and the second youngest 20,000 points.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, on a more serious note, uh, the Raiders. Oh, that bo- wasn't serious?
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: I dared you not to laugh.
1: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Working all week, not five for all my money. Some of you have sent in your suggestions, your song suggestions for Aaron Rodgers as he has emerged from the darkness. We may be a little late to the party, though, because apparently he emerged on Wednesday, snuck out under cover of night. Oh, dear. That wasn't even on purpose. I swear that wasn't even on purpose. Uh, And so now we wait. (laughs) There was no national media appearance. There was nothing on social, at least that I've seen. I'm not on Insta, but I feel like people would have uh, shared that on Twitter if, in fact, Rogers had broken his silence Uh, I don't know. I don't believe I buy into the darkness retreat anymore if there's a fireplace in the unit, which apparently there was a fireplace in his cabin. Also, people are coming and going. How can you remain in a meditative state when people are bringing you food? They're stoking the fireplace. They're probably cleaning the commode. I mean, there's people in there. That would definitely interrupt my meditative state. Although I gotta tell you, when I do yoga class, And we're supposed to be in a meditative state. Uh, Generally, my mind wanders or I doze. (laughs) If I was in some kind of a darkness retreat, especially if my dog was snoring, I'd be out. That'd be blissful. Are you allowed to take your dog into a darkness retreat? huh, well, then you can't, you wouldn't be able to leave to walk the dog. So someone else would have to walk the dog for you. Or in my case, I would just let Penny out, open the door, let Penny back in. Open the door, let her out. She does her thing, and she comes back in. She's pretty good on her own. I'm continually amazed at how smart my dog is. She actually lifts her paws up for me to wipe them off because she knows when we come in from it being wet outside that she has to have her feet wiped off because Mama doesn't want wet paw prints on the hardwood floors. Uh, Also, in the morning... So this is crazy. My dog is so smart. In the morning, we never walk on leash because... There's no one out, and she doesn't go anywhere without me, and it really, what's the point? So I've never, not I think since the first like seven or eight months I've got her, and, and now I've had her for almost 11 years. Do I walk her on leash in the morning because it's pretty early, and it's just not necessary? But in the afternoon, because we walk across a couple of streets that are a little busier, I do put her on a leash and she knows that. So in the morning, she just walks out of the house and and starts going and I catch up with her. Maybe I have to throw something in the trash can or maybe I'm still putting on my hat, my gloves, whatever. She just kind of wanders away and I catch up with her down the sidewalk. But in the afternoons, she stops at the edge of the property, waits for me to put her leash on, and then we walk. Australian shepherds are so incredibly smart. She's uh, she's a goof, and now of course because she's half deaf, now she can hear me when I yell. It's embarrassing when I have to yell at her outside because I can't get her attention. <laughs> but when we're in the house, she just she follows me and she watches me. She won't stay in a room where I'm not unless she's dead to the world. Uh, she won't stay in a room where I'm not because she knows she has to compensate for not being able to hear very well. So she follows me and she just she puts herself in a position where she can see what's happening. Dog, she runs my life, but it's okay because I love her dearly and we're coming up on 11 years that we've been a duo, a dynamic duo, if you will, my partner in crime. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I do also have a jealous cat who every time I talk to the dog, the cat howls at me like, hey, what about me? Uh, or, Or if you haven't seen... Our Super Bowl edition of Ask Amy Anything, the cat's always up in my grill, so she made a cameo. I had no idea she was behind me on the chair, flipping her tail in my hair. Anyway, so the zoo, the zoo runs my life, but Penny's needs are a little more pressing than the cat. The cat kind of does whatever. I just, I've given up on even telling the cat what to do. It's, It's pointless. Although one time, the cat was howling at me as I'm getting ready to go to sleep she's standing she's like up in my grill on the bed she's standing near my pillows and i said to her sit do you know the cat sat down first time in 14 years that i've had the cat but still it it happened one time i'm pretty sure she knew what i was saying sit and the cat just sat right down <laughs> otherwise sugar does whatever the heck she wants all right you can find me on twitter a law radio people have been asking for photos of sugar on on social yeah i, I mean Whatever. I guess. Fine. At some point I'll post a photo of the cat. Uh, The dog is much more photogenic. And then also on our Facebook page After Hours with Amy Lawrence, uh, if you missed any of our interviews this week, we've had some real good ones. Uh, Mark Followell from Dallas, longtime TV play-by-play announcer to talk about the Mavericks and their stretch run, but also about Dirk Nowitzki because he's a finalist for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, and it was cool to hear what Mark had to say about the impact of Dirk on the Mavericks franchise. And I actually stumped him for a second. He was like, Ooh, Oh wow. (laughs) And then if you missed my conversation with former sports agent and salary cap expert, Joel Corey of CBS sports, we're going to bring back part of that because it was so good. And as I posted the link on both Twitter and Facebook, not only did I get a ton of reaction to it, but people are saying to me, wait, what? They're asking questions that are actually answered in the interview. Uh, And so I've cut up a chunk of it, which has to do with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Daniel Jones and the Giants, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, their contract extensions, and then the implication of those big contract extensions. It's just an eight-minute chunk. We'll let you hear it coming up following this next break because those are the real pertinent questions. But if you want to hear any of our interviews, check out our podcast. The link is posted every day on our website, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook because I always share either the entire podcast or a segment of the podcast in a link, and when you open it up, voila, there's our full podcast page. So easy to do. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855 2124 cbs Ron Rivera introducing his new uh, assistant head coach. Eric Biennemi will also take over full control of the offense. So he didn't have that in Kansas City. Not only is it more responsibility for him, but he is now not going to have to hear that excuse for why he's not head coaching material because he doesn't call plays. Other... Coaches who've come out of Andy Reid's system have been given head coaching jobs even though they did not call plays, and for some reason it was not a hindrance to them. So here is Eric Bienemy. He's got a new challenge. Uh, he talked about how he's never backed down from a challenge. Uh, there's more with him uh, that I want to play through the next couple hours of the show because it, it was good to see him so excited. He was very grateful for his time in Kansas City, but also thrilled for a new opportunity. Um, and so there's, there's a lot more there that we'll sprinkle in. Uh, but he... Likes to talk about how I got to be where my feet are. I can't worry about things I can't control. And he says all the right things. Can he now milk some positives out of an offense that's gone through so many iterations? Mostly because of quarterback. But really, they've changed running backs. I mean, Scary Terry might be the most... Stable piece of that offense. Uh, and so here's Eric Bieniemy Facing this big challenge. And As I mentioned. They've been bottom half of the NFL. In points and passing yards. Going back now. Even before Ron Rivera. And so it's a big deal. But the fact that he's also. Uh, been given the responsibility. Of being uh, an associate head coach. An assistant head coach. Is huge too. And Ron Rivera indicated right away. And this is. Even after he introduced Eric and and gave the microphone over to Eric so he could answer questions, uh, he was speaking to a group of reporters following the press conference. And what he said is that when Eric Bianami walks into a room, he instantly brings credibility.
1: From the time he played as a uh, you know, as, as, a,
2: as a high school player, collegiate player, an NFL player, um, he had success. And then now you add upon that his growth and his development as a coach and then having the success he had, it's instant credibility. And, and I think that's one of the more important things uh, for our guys is that they're looking at a
3: guy that's been there, that's done that, that's had the success. So when he speaks, I, I mostly know everybody's going to listen.
2: I like that. And some of the guys who were there included Terry McLaurin. We heard from him before the top of the hour. Uh, Running backs, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Think about what Brian's been through in the last year. Uh, Tight end Logan Thomas also there. And then Sam Howell, who spoke as well about the opportunity in front of him and in front of the commanders with EB.
1: You know, I'm super excited. Obviously, I know there's a great opportunity here for me, um, and so I'm just super excited just to you know work this offseason. You know, I've never had this much time off, so just trying to work on myself as best as possible so I can come back here ready to go and and give this team a chance to win. He's gonna learn. There's a lot of really accountable people here in this organization, and this this group of guys here is really special. Um, it's a great group of guys who work super hard, and we all just want to win. Um, and so we're we're all we're all ears to him, and we're you know just super excited about the opportunity for, to have him lead us.
2: Biennemi multiple times highlighted the talent that was sitting in the front couple rows, referring to the guys that were there in attendance. Now, Washington interviewed seven different guys. Uh, Ron Rivera's actually said, this is kind of interesting, I thought, that it never occurred to him that Biennemi might be available until that rumor, that speculation started circulating. Because remember, there were... Was there a third of the offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL that were open? So you knew there were going to be a bunch of guys who were moving around, uh, maybe changing systems or feeling like they could be in a better position where they might have uh, upward mobility. And so he interviewed a bunch of other guys and then had to wait until the Chiefs' season was done, which didn't end until February 12th. Well, if you think about the victory parade, 12th with a Sunday it, it wasn't until Wednesday the following week that he was available and so uh, he interviewed him I think it was four days after the Super Bowl which would have been following the victory parade um, so yeah b- a big deal that he waited that long to be able to talk to Eric Bien-Aimé, uh, even though sometimes there's this sense of urgency I got to get this done I got to get it done right away but if you looked around the league, you could recognize that there were certainly other places where the jobs were still open in fact Two head coaching jobs didn't get filled until the Super Bowl was done because both the Eagles coordinators left and went to Indianapolis and Phoenix. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, the other big news surrounding the commanders on Thursday is that Jeff Bezos, who is the, is the founder of Amazon, he's the CEO of Amazon, he's the whatever-whatever of Amazon, he's the big dog of Amazon, uh, that he is trying to... At least investigate. He's investigating. He's trying to buy the commanders or at least look at the possibility. Um, and I I don't know why this pops into my brain. But I feel like we at some point heard from Daniel Snyder or people around Daniel Snyder that he wasn't interested in selling to Jeff Bezos. At the same time, if Bezos and his family or his his uh, company is willing to to put down six million or six, sorry, not million, six billion. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a lot of money here, right? So I don't know if you're if you're the Snyder family, if you would even you would turn down the highest bidder simply because it's someone that you don't want to, uh, that you don't want to sell to, that seems ridiculous, especially since he's um, at this point, I think fortunate to not at least be in jail or at the very least facing charges. Uh, so looking back on the Denver Broncos sale, that was the most recent one. And actually the investment firm or the firm that he's working with um, is the same firm that was instrumental in the Broncos sale, right? So the last two sales were orchestrated by this particular firm that Bezos is working with now that he's hired Um the most recent were the Broncos, $4.65 billion. Again, the it's the B word. And then before that, it was David Tepper, remember, who bought the Carolina Panthers. So those are your most recent NFL sales, and now the Commanders. And the price is expected to be upwards of $6 billion. Now, I know the Broncos have a storied history. They've got three Super Bowl wins. They've got five other losses in their history. In the Super Bowl, they've had some of the best Quarterbacks ever to come through the NFL in John Elway and Peyton Manning, yada, yada, yada. But Washington is on the East Coast, and you want to talk about a tradition. Uh, it's an old franchise, it's an iconic franchise. I know they've had some really tough years, but they've also got Super Bowl history and they've got a fan base that stretches back for decades, a passionate fan base that really has reserved the right to be disgusted lately. I understand that. Um, But I feel like you can expect this franchise will go for greater than $6 billion for so many reasons. And they're near the nation's capital. Um, There's the possibility of a new stadium, and there's all these types of elements um, that, that go into it. But we're talking about one of... Uh, the oldest and and most storied franchises in the NFL and a lot of fans clamoring for new leadership, for new ownership, and feeling like once the Snyder family is out of control or has sold the team that they'll enter a new era where some of that stink can come off because the last few years, a lot of the news around Daniel Snyder, a lot of the reports around Snyder, um, even his own, public reaction to to the speculation and some of the accusations levied against him have been pretty gross just inappropriate and and gross and I know a lot of fans are put off by that Um, and so if you think about the infusion of cash that Bezos could bring in it's a big deal and to have first the Walton Penner family uh, who have money hand over fist. In fact, they have so much money. They don't even need to know how to pronounce Roger Goodell's name. Remember when, when, uh, so it's the heir to the Walmart fortune, right? It's, uh, I think it's two siblings and a, a sibling in law, right? So it's a married couple. And then another sibling, um, and they're the heirs to the Walmart fortune. And one of them called him one of them, I think it was Walton called Roger, Roger Goodell. I mean, you're so you're so rich that you don't even know who the NFL commissioner is. Um, it, it, to to be able to bring that infusion of cash and and equity, but then to think about Bezos and my goodness, Amazon is running the world. You know now. Amazon Amazon is what Facebook aspires to be. Facebook has been replaced. Facebook is the devil, but it's also been replaced. Uh, It's not the media conglomerate that it it wanted to be. This whole meta thing is just, it's weird and really hasn't taken off. Uh, And so Amazon now runs the world. And you... I mean, you think about the money that they put into these Thursday night football games on Amazon Prime. I mean, billions and billions of dollars already sunk into having exclusive rights to Thursday night football outside of the local markets. I'm pretty sure the other NFL owners would love to have another colleague, an owner, a fellow owner who had this kind of money, this kind of capital, this kind of cachet. Again, outside of the NFL world, people know who Jeff Bezos is. Outside of the NFL world, uh, people know who the Walton Penner family is. It's just it brings a different level of, well, cash to be sure, but brings a different level of notoriety when you've got an owner like that. So we'll see what happens. But that's also another Potential development this season with the Washington Commanders. So lots of flux. Uh, Ron Rivera has essentially told his players it has nothing to do with you. It's an interesting story, but we play football for a living. We we just work here. In other words. <laughs> All right. So coming up, I still want you to hear from Lashawn McCoy, uh, who has been the harshest critic of Eric Bieniemy, but also Bieniemy's response to Lashawn McCoy, and not just Bieniemy's response, but the response of fellow chiefs and former chiefs who clap back at LaShawn just so you get both sides of the story but straight ahead he is a former player rep as well as a salary cap expert Uh, and Joel Corey hit it out of the park I learned so much from him when he joined us on our last show wanted to bring back a portion of that conversation because quarterbacks because quarterbacks it's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio
1: you are listening to the after hours podcast
3: Jackson will keep it on the read option. Jukes a man, stumbles at the one, dives in for the touchdown. Lamar Jackson extends the Ravens lead with the first rushing touchdown and the first touchdown of the game.
1: Takes the snap back to throw. Fires it left, wide open down the left sideline is Saquon Barkley in the Vikings territory and chase to the giant bench at the Minnesota 44 yard line. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
2: On the Ravens and Giants radio networks, two major question marks about quarterbacks in this offseason. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I did an interview in Baltimore on Thursday morning, and I was surprised to find that the local radio host, it's the Big Bad Morning Show on our affiliate 105.7 The Fan, they actually are resigned to the fact they believe I shouldn't say it's a fact. They're resigned to the idea that Lamar and the Ravens are not going to find common ground. um, And they're now thinking about what next? That was a bit of a surprise to me. But also Daniel Jones. Will he get franchised? And what are the Giants willing to pay him uh, after his first year under Brian Dayball? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Had a chance to catch up with former player rep and now salary cap expert Joel Corey of CBS Sports. Really great conversation about a lot of uh, the financial question marks. As we head into the new NFL league year, we pulled a chunk of it, and it starts with Lamar, the Ravens. What's the best course of action moving forward?
3: Steve Bisciotti, the owner, was very <laughs> critical of Deshaun Watson getting a fully guaranteed contract last March. Right, Lamar has been adamant about a fully guaranteed contract. Somebody has to cave to get this deal done. The Lamar missing games at the end of the regular season for a second straight year does not help in his quest to get a fully guaranteed contract. The Ravens probably are less inclined to do it this year as opposed to last year. Now, um, Lamar has made a lot of money in terms of being patient, not having an agent. If he had an agent, he probably gets done after his third year, um, probably shortly after Josh Allen. Maybe he's on the same six-year deal extension Josh Allen is. Maybe he's at $43.5 million. By waiting, the market changed dramatically, so it's benefited him. Now, what I would do in the situation if I represented Lamar, I would go in the position that I want the fully guaranteed contract, but I, before, right before the March 7th deadline to place the designation on any player, I would start trying to extract major concessions for things structurally I would want from the Ravens. And the reason I would be looking to do that is I don't think anyone's going to help Lamar get a fully guaranteed contract. Mm. If you look at the quarterbacks who are going to get paid um, this off season, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles aren't going to give him one. Um, The Bengals are going to pay Joe Burrow, but this is a team that has been in the dark ages structurally with their contracts. The only guaranteed money in veteran contracts is signing bonus. They're not going to go from zero to a hundred to not even doing conventional guarantees to skipping that step to a fully guaranteed contract. They'll have to do conventional guarantees to get Burrow done. I don't think Justin Herbert, if they do him this summer, gets one. They didn't even give him his full his signing bonus and a lump sum. They deferred some of it. So I don't see a team which is deferring signing bonus going to go from that to a fully guaranteed contract. So I don't think anyone's going to help support Lamar's case. And in knowing that going in, that's why I'd be willing to trade the fully guaranteed contract for things that I find meaningful that I would want in the contract to make it very player friendly.
2: It doesn't seem to be any type of a disconnect between the Giants and Daniel Jones, the way that there has been, or the way that it's been reported. It's starting to feel like with the Ravens. So why would the Giants franchise tag Daniel Jones instead of just give him a
3: contract? Well, you have until March 7th. So, there's still plenty of time, and the best offer that uh, Daniel Jones is going to get is probably going to come March 6th or before that 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. <laughs> now, the, the interesting thing to me was Daniel Jones switched agents. Um, that came out, I think, uh, yesterday or the day before. And then there was a report that he's looking for $45 million per year. <laughs> I'm not paying Daniel Jones $45 million per year. Uh, let, let's not forget that they turned down the fifth-year option on him and if I'm the Giants, I'm thinking you've been good for 15 minutes before we, the new regime took over Brian Dayball. You were headed towards potentially being a backup of things that didn't go well. Yes, you played well down the stretch. You established yourself as one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the NFL. We know you don't have receivers. We think that the skies, you have a lot of upside. But if you're on $45 million per year and you don't have a lot of flexibility on that, We'll just have you play on the tag, and if you do it again, and maybe you get your forty-five million per year or more, hmm. um, they got to get somebody done, say Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones, because uh, they don't want to have both those guys hit the open market. One gets tagged, and hopefully, they get one done on a long-term deal. Joel Corey is a former
2: agent, now studies contracts and is a salary cap expert for CBS Sports. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Looking at the average annual value for quarterbacks, Joel. Aaron Rodgers, of course, who is the only one in the league for now who averages more than $50 million per year, but Russell Wilson, not far behind him. Kyler Murray with his new deal is $46 million. We know about Deshaun Watson and that fully guaranteed deal with the Browns. But you mentioned both Joe Burrow Uh, as well as Jalen Hurts for the Eagles now, who's coming off his best career game in the Super Bowl. What type of AAV are we talking about for those two guys?
3: When Joe Burrow signs his deal, it's going to make him the highest-paid player in the league. There's already a track record for Cincinnati doing that. Um, Once upon a time, they did have a quarterback. They took the first overall pick in Carson Palmer. Hmm. Um, Towards the end of the 2005 regular season, they made him the highest-paid player in the league. So the agent knows this, Brian Irock, who is a very sharp agent, someone who drives a hard bargain. Any deal Joe Burrow does will reset the market from an average standpoint. Now, Hertz is a little bit more interesting. This time last year, there were question marks about him, and people are wondering whether he could be the uh, long-term answer. Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, uh, unequivocally said that he was after the year he had. Now, they made Carson Wentz who he ended up replacing, the fourth highest paid player in the league. Um, so to me, that's a floor. But what I'm really looking at is $50 million per year for him is what I would want if I represented him. And I'm looking at another quarterback taking the same year as Carson Wentz and Jarrett Goff, MVP candidate in his third year in 2018. Rams get to the Super Bowl. He suffers a late-season slump, doesn't play well in the Super Bowl, have nonetheless, before the regular season starts, signs a contract tying him as a second-highest-paid player in the league with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Hurts, better third year than Goff. Second-highest-paid player right now is Russell Wilson. So, to me, I would try to use that as ammunition to get $50 million per year.
2: Mm. It is crazy. A Patrick Mahomes at $45 million a year or a Josh Allen at $43 million a year can now be considered, and I'm using my air quotations, but cheaper, Joel.
3: There's a lot of interesting takes about the Mahomes deal. One, I hear a lot of media people advocating that Burroughs should do a Mahomes type deal. One thing you gotta keep in mind about that is he really moved the bar from an average standpoint. Contracts way too long for my liking, but mm. at the time Russell Wilson was highest paid player at thirty five million. He's at $45 million. That's 28.6% more. So if I'm Joe Burrow you want me to even consider that, I have to be 28, 30% more than Aaron Rodgers. That's putting me at $65 million per year. Whoa. Two, I don't like the way the cash flow was in the Mahomes deal. It's very backloaded that he didn't get much more cash over the first couple of years than if he'd done nothing or played on the franchise tags. I guarantee you that. You may never hear Patrick Mahomes say this publicly, but as more and more quarterbacks go past him, there are already four, there could be as many as eight by the time the regular season starts. He's not going to be happy about that since he's the best player in the league. And he signed a 10-year extension with two years left on his rookie contract. So at some point, the Chiefs are going to have to look at that contract as it becomes much greater for them in terms of the the bargain they're getting. Because you can't have an unhappy Patrick Mahomes. When there's a $60 million per year quarterback, I'm not sure what year that happens. It is coming, and he's at 45, and if he's still the best player in the league or one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, and he's at 45 and – guys who aren't him are at 60 you got a problem
2: just a taste of the conversation with joel Corey, who's a former player rep so he certainly understands negotiations uh, and being in the room and we talked more about repping players and some of his strategy uh but also looking at salary caps and last but not least in that conversation you'd have to go get the podcast we debunked the myth that you cannot pay a quarterback 45 to $50 million a year and still field a winning team. He debunks that myth. So definitely check it out. Uh, I recently tweeted the link. Actually, I'll retweet here. But Joel Corey, uh, he's with CBS Sports. He's great. I always learn something from him. Uh, and so I'd invite you to check it out even now. Uh, We're going into a break, actually, so you can listen to it during the break. But there's more there about Lamar and the Ravens. uh, And then you hear him talk about Burrow and Hurts and also what could come down the pike for uh, the the guy named Patrick Mahomes, who's now got two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, and he's got two rings with the Chiefs. So how does he... If Let's let's just say for the sake of argument, Burrow and Hurts both get deals this offseason, which they likely will. And then maybe Lamar gets one too, although that's not set in stone. But just two of the three even get new deals that put them above $45 million per year, which they should. Then Mahomes drops out of the top five highest paid players in average annual value. And Josh Allen would be closer to number 10. Tough business. Tough business to make $45 million a year and not be even remotely the highest paid at your position. (laughs) It almost, uh, I mean, I can't even keep a straight face sometimes talking about uh, that type of money. It's monopoly money. It's almost comical and really almost impossible. Well, it is impossible for me to identify with, but... You're worth whatever a team will pay you. You're worth whatever your employer believes that you are worth. Um, And in a market where quarterbacks not only absorb so much of the credit, but far too much of the blame, uh, and where it's necessary to have a quarterback if you're going to do anything in the NFL, well, you can understand why teams go all in. This is, this is market price right now For the best of the best It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence
1: You are listening to the
3: After Hours Podcast
2: Hello darkness my old friend
0: I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain, still remains within the sound of silence. In restless dreams, I walked alone, narrow streets of cobblestone, near the hill of A Street Land. I turned my collar to the cold.
1: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Hola! If you're waking up on your Friday, well, hello. Happy Friday to you. I generally don't get too excited until we get to the final hour of the show and then I finally feel like I can turn the page on the day. It's not quite over yet. People ask me all the time, what do you do? What time do you go to bed when you're done with the show? Oh, it's going to be a few hours. (laughs) It'll probably be actually another four hours before I am asleep because of the commute home, which is cray. uh, And then because of the dog and the zoo and breakfast. And actually this morning I'm going grocery shopping. Uh, Thanks for caring. And so it's going to be actually maybe more than four hours before I get in bed, but it's It's not too early to start hooting about a Friday. After hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, coming up top of the hour, NBA is back in action post-All-Star break. And we see the shuffling of rosters. And so we'll let you know the latest. Only three guys have ever won three consecutive NBA MVP awards. But that exclusive club may need to make room for one more if... The jokage that we see coming out of the the all-star break is the one we see the rest of the way. I don't think there's anybody who's going to overtake him for another MVP, which is pretty impressive. But all that top of the hour, the top two seeds, at least currently, were both in action. And in addition, we had a bunch of other storylines, games that went down to the wire, some fantastic finishes so you can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, 855-212-4227. Mike is listening in Dallas. Mike, what's up?
0: Hey, Amy. Uh, so the other night I was at the bar, and uh, there was this group of girls, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go up there and talk to them. So uh, I'm like, yeah, y'all been listening to me long enough. Let me get you a drink. Well, the one girl got the Bud Light, or just, you know, generic beer. I was like, okay. But then her two friends were hanging out, and I'm like, well, let me get y'all a drink, too. You know, I don't want y'all feel so lonely. Well, her friends uh, wanted me to get them a shot of tequila, a brand name of tequila. Well, I'd never bought it before, so I go up to the bar, and I'm like, okay, let me get those shots of tequila for the girls. For two shots, it was $30, $15 a shot.
2: I would have said, never mind. I'm good.
0: They're good. Yeah, and I was like, well, let me get y'all what y'all were drinking before I showed up.
2: Yeah, but I think but... they were using you, men.
0: So how do you know when the women really do love
2: you? Why are you asking me? Just because I happen to be a female, you're asking me? I wasn't there. But you think they were using me? I I think if they weren't drinking shots before you showed up and you offered to buy drinks, uh, yep, you put yourself in that situation. Okay, Okay. good. Glad we had that conversation. Let's talk to Drew, who's in Michigan. Drew, you better not have a story like that. I'm going to hang up on you, too.
1: Good evening, Amy. How are you? (laughs) I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, It sounds like he just left the bar, actually.
2: (laughs) Yes, probably. You should um, have seen our producer. He had his finger poised right above what we call our dump button, which yeah. you know dumps us or dumps anybody off the air. He was ready um, in case something really untoward came out of that. But I think it was just goofy. So yes, you're you're here to write the situation. Go.
1: For, former radio personality, so I understand the dump button. <laughs> uh, here's my thought: uh, you you can't pay a quarterback sixty to sixty-five million dollars a year. Like, there there has to be that uh, bubble burst, and I think it has to be around $50 million because you can't invest that much money in one position to try and build a team around it. And I understand the Patrick Mahomes' contract is friendly at this time, but, I mean, Patrick's going to come back here after next year, especially if they win another Super Bowl hey, man, you got to pay me some more money. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold
2: on. I would just say on. really quickly two things. Um, first of all, he's not even remotely the highest paid in terms of average annual value. We talked about yep. that uh, yep. with Joel. And that's Aaron Rodgers, and he's over $50 million, and no doubt we're going to see Burrow and Hertz both go over $50 million. Uh but the The thing is, people forget that the salary cap is also increasing uh, incrementally and and really a large increase from last year to this coming year because of but, the influx of money from Amazon. That's a huge reason why. And uh, so, absolutely. Right, and so there is, there's more, I'm just, for people who don't know, there's a lot more room under the cap. It's not like the cap is stationary and the quarterbacks are taking up more and more and more. The cap is growing as well. So with the with 17%, I think that's the number he used with Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Chiefs have paid 17% of their salary cap to Mahomes, and yet they just won another Super Bowl and they've gone to three in four years. So it's not as impossible as people think.
1: Yes, I, I 100% agree with Amy, but you you have to look at it like you you cannot continually uh, grow the salary cap. How it's growing, like there has to be a bubble burst here at some point. So, like, who's the team that's going to be left out? Is I guess my question: Who's the team that's left out? paying that dumb salary to a quarterback
2: well why is it dumb if you're winning and and Joe Burrow is the key to anything the Bengals want to do right now
1: what what have they won what have have they won anything
2: They've won an AFC championship and they just I've went to another Bowl. one. Drew, th- you asked me, have they won anything? They were the last team standing in the AFC last year and went to a Super Bowl in his second year. And not to mention, he had torn his ACL halfway through his first year. This guy Correct. is a keeper. You do not want to lose him. And no, I, understand I, I understand what you're understand saying, that, but-, but but the point is that you have to have a quarterback. That is the key to everything. And I so I, what,
1: so, so what do you what do you pay Lamar Jackson then?
2: Well, Lamar's not in the same situation. I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to, to break this to people who are listening, but the way that Joe Burrow what? finished and the Bengals finished, they won, what, 10 games in a row until they got back, maybe 11, until they got back to the AFC Championship, and he what, played his best. You, Drew, 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 please wait. Thank you. I'd like to have an intelligent discussion, but we can't talk over each other. So they played their best ball, and he played his best ball at the end of the season, and and they surged to another AFC championship, right? So he's only three years in. Then you think about Jalen Hurts, also three years in, and he just played his best game ever in the Super Bowl, and he was also an MVP candidate, as was Burrow, I guess, was a finalist. So those two guys are on high notes. Lamar Jackson, the last two years, has not been around in December, and they didn't make the playoffs this year. So it's a it's a not a great comparison right now because you, they don't have the same they don't have the same cachet, or his family doesn't have the same cachet when they go to negotiate.
1: One one hundred percent agree with with the, with the Lamar Jackson take there. So who do you pay more to? Do you pay uh, Joe Burrow sixty million dollars a year coming up in a year and a half? or do you pay Jalen Hurts $45 million now?
2: Well, I don't think either one of them is, is going to get to 60. I think what we're talking about, what I talked about with Joel, is that you're going to see it incrementally higher. So maybe it's 50 to, it's going to get higher than Aaron Rodgers, right? So 51-52, maybe it goes up. The contract's backloaded because that gives the team flexibility, gives an opportunity to re, to renegotiate or to uh, kind of redo the contract when they get to the point where it's a humongous salary cap hit. So, yeah, there's creative ways to do it. There's ways that you can spread it out over the course of the years of the contract. But definitely, I I, I stake most of what I'm worth, which is not a whole lot. But that Burrow and Hertz are both going to go over 50 million per year because that's where we are right now they're both younger they're on high notes Aaron Rodgers didn't and the Packers didn't make the playoffs last year so I would think that's definitely the case that you're going to see those two guys eclipse Rodgers
1: so is Trevor Lawrence your sixty million dollar a year quarterback? Then he
2: might be. He might. It depends on what happens in the next couple of years. He might be the yep. next guy to go over that, or maybe we see, like Joel said, uh, we see Patrick Mahomes renegotiate. So yeah, I understand what you're saying, but remember, salary caps going up. The owners have plenty right. of money. They're they're not in a situation where they're not making money. I didn't want you to hang up on him just to pot him down. Thank you, Carlos. This is the second time this week. Why do you keep hanging up on people?
0: Uh, just because the music's coming. <laughs> okay.
2: Anyway, sorry about that, Drew. I wanted you to hear what I had to say. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the going rate for QBs, and you have to have one. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.